All right. So Hosea, uh, again, it's it's a hard book to understand. That's why most people don't teach it. And again, that's why I'm teaching it, because it's hard. But uh, it goes in circles. It goes in circles. So a lot of times we've already went through chapter 1, and we started off, and it kind of went through it. And basically how it goes is Israel sins and messes up, and God judges them. And then we start all over again with the next chapter, how Israel is sinning and doing what's wrong, but yet God judges them and then he restores them. And so we just keep seeing this go over and over in the book of Hosea. But we also see it, like I said, next door in the book of Jeremiah. And so we see these minor prophets and the major prophets basically dealing with Israel. And they are, again, it kind of got a circular pattern to them. They go over and over. And it's kind of like the Gospels. You know, when, when you want to know the stories of Jesus and, and all those stories, you got to read all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Put them all together. Get all the pieces together and you get exactly what God wants you to know about what happened with Jesus and the apostles. It's the same way with the prophets. You have to read them, put them all together, get the picture of it, and then you'll get a full understanding. In fact, that's what the whole Bible is about. The Bible, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's a puzzle. And it's a puzzle, not like, well, it's a puzzle that we can't figure out. No, it's a puzzle where we have 10,000 pieces on the table and we just got to put the pieces together. They're there. Okay? How many of you have ever put together a a hundred-piece puzzle? Okay, most of us, pretty simple. How about 500? Okay. How about 1,000? Okay. How about 2,000? Ooh, I got some hard hard puzzle people. How about now how big is a two thousand piece puzzle, guys? It's a big one, isn't it? Well it depends how Okay. So I got carry a puzzle a couple years ago and we put it together. It pretty well filled three fourths of our dining room table. Now they make a five thousand piece puzzle. Anybody put one of those together? You'd have to have a separate table to put the pieces on. I mean, it would unless you got it, unless you put it on the floor. But I mean, but that's what the Bible is. It's got pieces all over the place. They're there. You just got to find them and put them together. That's why you're seeing prophecy in all these all these Old Testament books. That's why you're seeing, you know, you see Christ in the Old Testament books. You just got to put the pieces together. That's why it's so important to cross-reference our Bible. Okay? So Hosea means God is salvation. Same word as Joshua. Same word as Jesus. Okay? Hosea is a prophet of God. To the ten northern tribes around 725 BC. Now I'm just giving you some info before we. I, this is probably way back, okay? A couple weeks back. And just a few short years after Hosea prophesies, the nation, the northern nation of Israel, the ten northern tribes, are taken into captivity. They are taken away to Assyria. So, I mean, he's trying to tell them to straighten up and do what's right. Obviously, they don't listen to him. And the nation's kind of going down the tubes. that sound familiar to anybody? Kind of sounds like us today. And here he is trying to get the Word of God out, and they're not listening to him. And so, within, like I said, within 30 years of his preaching and teaching, they're gone. Okay? So... 
Gomer, if you remember Gomer, who's Gomer in the story? Well, she's a prostitute, but she's his wife. Okay. So he tells her, he tells him to marry a prostitute, which is tough. I mean, can you imagine that? And then uh, that's his adulterous wife and their marriage. Now get this, their marriage is an example of God's relationship with the nation of Israel. So it's an example, it's a type, it's a picture. Okay, so when we see the story of Hosea over and over, we have to stop and think, is God talking about Gomer or is he talking about the nation of Israel? Because they'll flip-flop in the same passage. And that's why a lot of people don't want to read this because they just can't seem to figure it out. Well, just because it's hard to figure out doesn't mean we shouldn't be reading it. Okay, so that's kind of where we're at. And let me read chapter 1, because I want to get through everything today. But What I'm going to try to do is get through with chapter 2 and just kind of summarize it again. But to get where we've been at, I'm going to read chapter 1 just to kind of get us up to speed. Then we're going to read chapter 2. And it says, chapter 1 says, The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Barry, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Okay, so that's given us the time frame. It gives us the time frame of the kings in Judah. And then it it goes on and says, And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Now, Israel's the ten northern tribes. So that helps us figure out when is the book of Hosea taking place? It says two, chapter or verse two. In the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblium, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to seize the kingdom of the house of Israel. He's given him some prophecy. I'm going to get I'm going to take care of the king the, the northern the king of the northern tribes. I'm going to take care of him because of what he's been doing, but I'm also going to take care of the whole ten northern tribes and it's going to take place in this valley of Jezreel. Valley of Jezreel we found out was was on the east side or basically the eastern part of the valley of Armageddon. So we have some prophecy going on here. So while we're reading the book of Hosea just remember we are seeing prophecy. We're seeing things that's going to take place then. We're going to see things that are taking place with Hosea and his wife. I mean, it, it's it's got all kinds of things going on. It's kind of like watching that movie and having three storylines going on at the same time. That makes a good movie, right? That's what's going on in Hosea. Verse 5. And it shall come to pass at that day. What's that day mean? That's you, that's the day that Christ comes back. It's talking about the second coming. So now we again we have prophecy going all over the place, and it shall come to pass at that day that it will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So when Christ comes back, he's going to the valley of Armageddon to fight that battle. Verse six, and she conceived again. Now we're back with Gomer, and she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name now. Hold on to this name. It's Lorohama. Does anybody remember what that name means? Well, let's see. For I will have no more mercy upon the house of Israel. So Lo 
Rohama means no more mercy, or no mercy. Okay? But I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, because Judah is doing what's right at that time. They're still obeying God and will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, nor by horses, nor by horsemen. Now remember those three kings that we talked about at the beginning? Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. When we go back and study those three kings, we'll find out that they were in peril several different times and God came through not the army, nobody else. It had to be God. So that's a reference to that. It says, "I will save Israel because they're doing. I will save Judah because they're doing what's right, and it will not be by their might." That's what it's saying in verse seven, verse eight. Now, when she had weaned Lo Rohama, and what's that mean again? No mercy. no mercy. She conceived and bare a son. So that's number three. And then said God, "Call his name Lo Ami." For ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. So that name, Loami, means not my people. So, no pity and not my people. Okay? So, that low in front of that those two words means no or not. So, hold on to that. Verse 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea which cannot be measured nor numbered, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. We just did a flip right here. He goes, You're not my people? Now all of a sudden you are my people. It's like God's kind of, What's going on here? You know, it's like, Which one is it? Well, you're not, but you will be. Verse 11, Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together. That hasn't happened since they split under Rehoboam, hasn't happened. It still hasn't happened yet. It won't happen till the till that day. And appoint themselves one head, and they shall come out and out of the land. For great shall be the day of Jezreel. Again, another reference to Armageddon and the second coming. Okay, so that's chapter one. Now let's go through chapter two. What low low means? Um, no, or not. Okay? So, we're going to go through chapter 2 and see if we can break through that just a little bit. Okay? Because I'm trying to make this all fit together. And I'm probably not doing a real good job. Chapter 2 of Hosea. Say unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Rohama. Well, wait a minute. We just had those two words, but the low is taken off. The low is taken off. It's... In, in verse, uh, go back to verse 6, and, and it says, And she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, Call her name Lo Ruhama. Here it just says Ruhama, doesn't it? And then look at the word Ami, A M M I. Go to verse, uh, go to chapter, verse, go to verse 9. It says, Then said God, Call his name Lo Ami. You are not my people. So all of a sudden, the no is off of both of those names. So in this passage, it's like, now you are my people. See why people get confused reading this? They're like, something is not right. God just said they wasn't. Now he says they are. What's going on? Yeah, you're not, he's saying, um, you are not my people. 
and I will not be your God. Yet the number of children of Israel, he's changing it. You're not my people now, but you're going to be. Right, right. And so here is a reference to what they're going to be. Okay? See that... that I just taught on D2 that every little, every word, every pronoun, every every jot, and every tittle of the Bible is there for a reason. So, I mean, that's a pretty good jot and tittle, the, the, the little word low, because it's just taking the knot off. Okay? So now he says, you are my people, and I will have mercy on you. Verse 2, plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her, therefore, put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. Okay? Uh, verse 3, lest I strip her naked and set her as the day that she was born, and make her as the wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. Okay, so are we talking about Gomer, or are we talking about Israel? Israel? I mean, this thing just flops. I mean, it flops like a sheet in the wind, man. And so you've got to stay with it to see where you're at. So yes, now we're kind of having a reference to Israel. Verse 4, And I will have not have mercy upon her children. Well, in verse 1, he said he would. Now, in verse 4, he says he's not. says, for they be the children of whoredoms. Verse 5, for their mother, Gomer, Israel, okay, both, hath played the harlot. She hath conceived them, or she that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Now we talked about the last two weeks. That's so three. This is both of them? Yeah, it's basically both. And it's bouncing back and forth. And so what you have to do is read it to where it cannot fit for Gomer and it fits to the nation. Or if it's fitting one, it may not fit the other one. Or let me throw a kink in it. It may be both. So you have to look at the context. Okay, so remember we we talked about last week that Gomer thought that when she stepped out on Hosea, she thought that the guy she was having an affair with or having adultery with was providing for her all the things that she needed. Okay? And God goes, wait a minute, Gomer. Number one, your husband provides those things for you, but really, I provide the things for you. Israel was doing the same thing. They were stepping out on God and going after false gods, and they thought these false gods were providing for them their food and water, her her clothing, her luxuries. And so they were going after these false gods and believing that these false gods was providing for their needs. And that kind of hacked off God. God's like, wait a minute. There's no such thing as these other gods. You're going after a pretend God and claiming that he's giving you what I'm giving you. And God was not happy with them. Okay? So let's when it says uh, lovers here, that's that's a reference to, to Gomer having lovers. But this, we know it's talking about Israel and God. So let's kind of just read through this. And then where it says lovers, we'll just put in God with a small g. Okay? Uh, let me see where my blank is. In other words, false gods. Let's just put that in there and see if it helps our context. It says, For their mother played the harlot. She that hath conceived them, verse 5, hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my 
gods, false gods, that give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up the way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her pass. In other words, the Lord's saying, I'm going to make her way unprosperous when she's going after these false gods. I'm going to make her life so miserable that she'll realize that, hey, these gods aren't doing anything for her. And why? So she'll come back to me. Verse 7, And she shall follow after her gods instead of lovers, but she shall not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but she shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, which is... For Gomer, it's Hosea, but for the nation, it's the God of Israel. For then it was better with me than now. So she, she's just like, remember I said, she's just like a cow wanting the grass on the other side of the fence. And we got people like that, they'll just go whatever gets them the best deal. And if it's a different guy, they'll go with a different guy. If it's a different woman, they'll go with a different woman. If it's a different God, they'll go with a different God. I mean, that's what they're doing here. Verse 8, For she did not know that I, God, gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. (laughs) So is God upset about this? Yeah, he has honked off. He does not like it that the nation of Israel is giving the things that he gives them And they're sacrificing it to a false god. And he is not happy. Verse 9. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof. Verse 9. And will recover my wool and my flax, given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of of her gods. Okay, And none shall deliver her out of mine hand. And then verse 11 says, And I will... Also cause her mirth to cease. Now what does that mean? Okay, Mirth here, when you first look at that, you think it's an oil. But it is not this, what's this living, what's this living company called again? Young Living. living. It's not a a Young Living oil here. Okay, (laughs) that's not what it's talking about with mirth. It's talking about rejoicing. So that word mirth there means rejoicing. So God says, I will cause all her rejoicing to cease. Her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. So what's going on here is the nation of Israel is still being religious. They're still doing religious feasts, holidays, things like that. But not for the right, not, not for God. They're just doing it for fun. It's kind of like they're taking a holiday that's supposed to mean something and celebrating it just to have a celebration. It's kind of like the Americans do with, with uh, well, let me go a little farther. Cinco de Mayo. People use that for what? Drinking. They don't use it for what it's for. They're doing the same thing to God. They're using his feast days to celebrate, probably to do the drinking and everything else. And God's like, I've had it here. No, that's not going to happen no more. Verse 12. And see what God says. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees. He goes, you guys think you're having a party on me? I'm going to destroy the things you've got your party with. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she has said, These are my rewards that my gods 
have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. Now, what's the beast going to eat? I'm assuming the things that they should have been eating. Verse 13, And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, another false god, wherein she burnt incense to them. Now now he's very specific. He says Balaam here. Okay. Well, anytime you see Baal in the Bible, just scratch that out and put Satan there because that's what they're talking about. Okay. And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burnt incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her gods and forgot and forgot me, saith the Lord. He's still mad, I'm telling you. Verse 14. Therefore, okay, so because she's mad, and, out, and he's been judging her and doing all this, verse 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will lure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortable unto her. What? Again, he just did about face. She's doing this. He's going to take these things away from her. He's going to judge her. And then all of a sudden he goes, now I'm going to speak comfortable to her. Because he knows he'll come back to him. Well, that is a reference to Revelation 12, 14, which we talked about the last couple of weeks, about in the middle of the tribulation, when, when they run to the wilderness, this is a reference for it right here. Okay, here's another little piece of the puzzle that fits in there with Revelation 12, 14. Okay. He says, Therefore, behold, I will lure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortable unto her. And I will give her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Verse 15, And she shall sing there. I mean, it went from night to day. Okay, And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be at that day. Again, what's the reference? Second coming. Okay. And it shall be at the second coming, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi. We talked about that last week. What does Ishi mean? My husband. husband. And shalt call me no more Bailey. Which means master. Now that, that that is something neat to understand for us because... God wants us to call him basically husband. He wants us to call him Lord, okay? And not Bailey or Baal, because Baal is master. And that's the difference between God and Satan. God wants us to call him husband. For us, he wants us to call him Lord. Well, a little different than Hebrews. But what Satan wants us to call him is master, See the difference? Satan hates us. He wants he wants to be our master. Our God wants to be our our Lord. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He wants to be our spouse husband. There is a total difference. God wants what's best for us. Satan wants to control us. So it's Satan that wants us to call him master. Yes. God doesn't want us to call him master. He wants us to call him Lord, or he wants us to call him Savior. Again, we're talking Israel and the church here. So, for the church, we are, we are, he is our espoused husband also. So, uh, for Israel and in the Old Testament, their husband is God. That's the relationship that they have. For the church, it's our, our, our relationship is with Jesus Christ. He's not our husband yet, but he will be. 
Okay. Did some people call God Master? I don't think so. I don't think you ever see that in the Bible. That that nobody calls him Master. Okay. Now they may call Jesus Master some. But I don't think that was what he wanted them calling. But usually the ones that called him master was Judas. The rest of them called him Lord. Every once in a while you'll see somebody else call him master. But you'll see most of the time, 95% of the time, the apostles or the disciples call him Lord. But Judas, watch him, he never calls him Lord. He only calls him master. Put that in the back of your... I, that was, I just threw that for free. That's not even my notes. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So where are we at? <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Seven, we're getting ready for 17. In verse 17 it says, For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth. He's talking about the nation of Israel. And they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day... Again, now we can find a reference. He goes, and in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground and I will break the, the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them lie down to lie down safely. And let me stop. Here's another puzzle piece right here. So hold on, hold on to your place. Turn over to Isaiah 11.6. Isaiah 11.6. Everybody there? It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. What's that talking about right there? When is that talking about right there? Do you know? It's talking about when Christ comes back and sets up the millennium kingdom that the, the animals will be back at peace with man and and, there, and let's see if I have another verse for you go over to Isaiah 65 and verse 6 I'm sorry Isaiah 65 and verse 25 thought that was wrong in fact, let's back up to verse 24. Isaiah 65:24 says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear, verse 25, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be thy serpent's meat, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Again, another reference of of a covenant that God's going to give with the people and also the animals. The RLDS church had a emblem of a lion, a lamb, and a boy. Okay. A lion, a lamb, and a boy. I, used, I had a ring that had that on there, the symbol. And I think in Harrisonville, that one that used to be by Greenland Furniture, I think it has... The original emblem in in a brick in the building. 
on the outside. Really? Okay. So they're taking that out of the Bible, mm-hmm. where there's going to be a new when God's when Christ comes back at the second coming and sets things right. He's going to make a covenant, and we're going to talk about that right next. But in that covenant, first of all, the animals are going to be at peace with man. Okay. So that's going to be interesting. You have a pet lion, you know. How many of you want a pet lion? You know, I wouldn't mind a pet lion. Having a pet snake, I'm still don't know. I don't know if I'd get there. You know, you know, pet rattlesnake. You want to have pet rattlesnake? No. Cobra. <laughs> boa. My son has a boa. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So back where we're at. In that day, again, context. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field. And with the fowls of the heaven, and with the creeping things of the ground. Okay? And then there, what's after ground there? What's in your Bible? What's the next little thing you see? A colon. Okay? So you have a colon, so you have a break in what he's saying. So something new that to add to this. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth. Basically, what does that mean? No more war, guys. God's going to take all the war out. So this is going to take place when Christ comes back. And yet we see it here in the book of Hosea in this chapter. Okay, And he says, and, and make them to lie down in safety. Verse 19, And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth you unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. And I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. Okay, Over and over in some of the minor prophets, you'll see this. And they shall know that I am the Lord. Because that's what God wants from us. Okay, Verse 21. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth, and the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. Again, a passage back to Jezreel. Um, some prophecy, verse 23, And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. That's that that word again. That uh, what ver- Which one was that? Uh, Ruhama. And I, he goes, and I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not mercy, obtained mercy. And I will say unto them which were not my people, that's the army there, thou art my people, and they shall say, here's what God's wanting, thou art my God. So we've kind of went a whole circle again in this chapter where God's going to, they're doing what's wrong, God's going to judge them, but have no fear, God will bring you back and He's going to restore things and and make all things right. Okay? So, it talks about, verse 18, the word covenant. It says, in that day will I make a covenant for them. Okay? So I'm going to spend what time I have left on this covenant and just give you some details on this covenant or what a covenant is. So, just bear with me a little bit. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement or a contract between men or between men and God based upon certain conditions agreed upon. Okay? So, there are different kinds of covenants. There is a, number one, there is a a covenant that uh, is unconditional. 
and then there is a conditional covenant. So there are two types of covenants, and let me give you the difference. When you a covenant is a contract. So when you buy a new car, the contract is you pay your payments, and after the end of three years, four years, seven years, however long that contract is, you get the piece of junk. I mean, you get the car. It's usually a piece of junk time you get paid off, but you get that. But what happens if you don't pay, do your part, and you don't pay your payment? They come and take it away. Okay, that is a conditional contract. Now, a unconditional contract would be you make a contract with somebody for a car, and and no matter what happens, it's your car. So there are two types of covenants with God: one that has has uh, conditions, and one that doesn't. Okay, so um, let's go back to your handout. I want to make sure I get through this. Okay, where are we at here? Page two at the bottom, God's covenant. Okay, you guys were where I'm at? Okay, so God's covenant here that we just saw in Hosea is, is the covenant that he's going to make with his people in the middle of the tribulation and it's basically called the new covenant okay that's that's the name for it okay it's called the new covenant it's one of four unconditional covenants that we find in the bible nothing can stop it from happening god says this is going to happen it's going to happen okay so this covenant provides for the restoration of the nation of israel which we've already read So on the top of page 3, it says, you will also find information of this new covenant all over the major and minor prophets. We don't have a 3. Okay, you don't have that one. Okay. Is it on the back of, you just have 1 and 2? 1 and 2. Okay, so bear with me. It's in your notes from last week. Okay. So you just have to hang with me for a little bit, guys. So this information of this new covenant is all over the major and minor prophets. Okay? And you have them in your notes from last week. In this contract, in this covenant, there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound familiar? When we get saved, what do we get? We get the Holy Spirit. It's going to happen to the Jews in the tribulation when they're in the mountain, when God brings them into the wilderness, God's going to pour His Spirit out on all of them. Okay? Kind of like when we get saved individually. They will also, God will also give them a new heart in that covenant. This covenant will be everlasting. It's going to cover the millennium, millennium and it will go on into eternity. Okay? And this covenant is established on better promises. I think last week that was in your blank. They are unconditional. And In the Mosaic Covenant, God said, the Mosaic Covenant is conditional. He said in that one, if ye will. So turn over in your Bible to Exodus chapter 19. Genesis, Exodus. Exodus 19. And verse 5. 
In fact, let's back up to verse 1. God is making a covenant, and this one is the Mosaic covenant, and let's see what's in this covenant. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, we in the right page? Everybody there? Okay. Okay. They came into the wilderness of Sinai. Ooh, isn't that interesting? God gave gave them a covenant in the wilderness here, and He's going to give them the new one in the trip. Okay, number two, verse two. For they were departed from Rephidim, and they were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Verse five. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant then then okay then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine so in the covenant that he makes with with Moses which is called the Mosaic covenant it's built on conditions. So if they do this, then God will do that. And God's going to bring them into the land. He's going to, he, he gives them all these promises. But we all know they did not do that, did they? Nope. So an unconditional covenant, or the, and the Mosaic covenant says, if ye will, then I will do this. Now, let's look at the new covenant, which we just saw in Hosea. But to look at it, let's go over to the book of Hebrews. Okay? It's kind of interesting. We've got to go to the New Testament book. And now it's in, it's in the Old Testament all over also. But let me give you what it says in Hebrews chapter 8. And you have those people that say, God's done with Israel. And we get all of Israel's promises. And Israel just went by the wayside. Well, God fixed them because he put it right in the New Testament so they can't, they can't miss it. Hebrews chapter um, 8, and let's look at 10 and 12. says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the, how, with the, with the New Testament church. Is that what it says? No. no. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. How do you miss that? Is that to the church? No, it's to the house of Israel. And it's in the New Testament. It says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. What's those days? Again, second coming. Basically, those days are basically tribulation. Okay? Saith the Lord, and I will put my laws in their mind and and write them in their hearts. And I, what's it say? Will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Now let's back up verse 10 and read this again. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I what will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Right back to the book of Hosea. That covenant in Hosea is this contract, this covenant, okay? And there is a difference. 
the old Mosaic one was was conditional. This one, the one that he's going to give, the one that he's going to give Israel during the tribulation when they're in the wilderness that's going to go on into eternity is is a done deal. They don't have, it's not based on what Israel does. It's based on what God said he will do. Okay? So that is a big deal. Um, this covenant is going to produce the right relationship of the Jewish people with their God. And God shall call them my people and they shall call him my God. Which is the same thing at the end of Hosea. Okay? So, uh, reading through the book of Hosea, like I said, it's a little difficult. You just have to start getting the little pieces out and putting them around and see where they go. But let me just give you a few things here just just to, to help you out on the covenants. Um, what other information I can give you? Again, they can be conditional or unconditional. Uh, let me give you the conditional covenants. Just, just, just have some time here. The one in the Edenic covenant. You got the Adamant covenant. You got the Noahic covenant. You got the Mosaic covenant. Okay, those were all on conditions. Okay, but there are four unconditional covenants. The one here is called the New Covenant, which we've been talking about. But there's some others, too. There was one given to Abraham. Remember when we were studying Abraham at the first of the year? God gave him some promises or a covenant that was unconditional. Number one, the title deed to the land of Palestine was given to Abraham. That's a done deal. That wasn't based on anything that Israel or Abraham was going to do. God said, I will give you this. Okay. Uh, then there is, uh, and not only that, uh, Israel's continuation as a nation to possess that land. God's brought him back. He hasn't let him die. Think about this. From night, from, from, you got Solomon, you got his son Rehoboam, and then the, the nation split, and then they both went into captivity. From that time, there had not been a nation of Israel, except for just a little short time back around the time when Christ was here. And then when that got destroyed, there hasn't been a nation of Israel till 1948. I mean, you're talking 2,000 years. That's unheard of. God brought them back. Okay? And so, uh, God gave them the land. Unconditional. They, the, the Muslims want the land. Let me tell you, they're not getting the land because God promised it to Israel. Okay, Then you got a Davidic covenant. Davidic? It was to David, King David. King David got a covenant from God. And that covenant was that his children would sit on the throne forever. Okay? Well, that hasn't taken place yet because they've been off the throne. Christ comes through that line also. So that that covenant is is a unconditional covenant. And then we've got this new covenant that we've been talking about where it guarantees that Israel will have a converted heart and they will finally get right with God. Okay. okay so I missed one. What's number one? Abrahamic covenant. He get, two was a... Well, I probably didn't say it. Is it called the Palestinian covenant and it's basically just a rehash of the one to Abraham it enlarges it Okay, and then we have a Davidic covenant and we have the new covenant these are four covenants that he gives now you could almost call the promises he's given to us to the church as a covenant too but these are specifically for Israel 
Okay, and we're going to see them play out here. We're going to see we're getting close to this new covenant taking effect. Okay, and so let me see real quick. I got a few more things. I had a whole bunch of things I wanted to give you, but I'm not there yet. Just bear with me. Okay, let me give you some more details of this covenant. You can find this covenant in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. In this new covenant, it deals with regeneration, forgiveness, and justification of Israel. Okay. They get an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Some of this I've already said. Israel will be regathered and restored. Regeneration, forgiveness, and... Um, justification. The importance of this new covenant is that God will guarantee Israel a converted heart And it will be implemented after Israel receives the land grant by God. Okay, the character of this covenant is a future fulfillment covering the period of the millennium, the new heaven, the new earth. It will be established on a better or unconditional promises than the Mosaic covenant. Its motives of obedience are different. Under the new covenant, obedience will spring up from a willing heart and a mind. So, you know, when, when we get to heaven, sin will be dealt with. We'll have a new body. We will not sin. We will not have a, a desire to sin because that flesh is taken away. The same thing will take place with Israel. Okay? Um, it will open up a personal way for them to have a personal knowledge of God, just like us. It'll eliminate the remembrance of sin. It'll rest upon an accomplished redemption in Christ. Uh, it secures the continuation of future conversion and the blessings of Israel. Um, it will be everlasting. It promises regeneration. It provides a restoration to God. It includes the forgiveness of sin. And it goes on and on. Okay, I'm, I know I'm kind of repeating myself. Um, I'm just trying to give you... I'm, I'm basically giving you some pretty good stuff here but I'm slamming through it pretty fast so my again my point is read the book the minor prophets the book of Hosea Malachi Isaiah Jeremiah because they basically talk about what the Lord has kind of given to us but he promises of what they do to the nation of Israel and you might say well why do we need to know this because we're going to be connected with them through eternity they have promises we have promises they don't necessarily are the same but they mesh together Okay, so we do need to know them and we find them again right here in the book of Hosea pick up a puzzle piece just put it together pick up another piece there put it together so hopefully I've probably given you a lot more to think about today, but we just went through chapter 2, and I wanted to kind of read through that again. So when you guys read through the book of Hosea, you're pretty well up to speed on chapter 1. You're up to speed on chapter 2. And when we start again in two weeks, on chapter 3, it's probably going to start all over again. 
But each time you'll get more details, and so just you know, just you learn the Bible a piece here and a piece there, a little here and a little there, and that's how you learn the Bible. Okay. Verse thirty-three in Jeremiah is almost identical to what it says in Hebrews. Yeah. In those days, this will happen. Right. So, how do people tell you that God's done with Israel? And the church got all the promises. Yeah. Are you reading your Bible? And they go, oh, we, you know, we just read New Testament. We'll read Romans eight, and it'll tell you. So it, the Lord wants us to realize that the promises He's given to the to the nation of Israel are not the same as He gives to us. But yet they're they're so similar. It's it, it's it's crazy. Okay, so. Uh, I don't know. I get excited when I see a little, a couple of little pieces that fit here and a piece that fits there. Kind of like when you're doing the puzzles. You know, oh, I found one. He could look. He may look for it for three hours, and you finally find one. You know. Oh well. Let's pray, and we'll, we'll get moving. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Hosea, and Lord, even though it's a deep book, and even though it, it it's hard to understand, Lord, you have things in that book that we need to understand. So I just pray for each one of us as we read our Bible, and then as we study our Bible, that we will take the time just to look at the pieces and put them together and see the truth that you have for us. And Lord, I just I just pray that you'd help each one of us just pick up pieces here and there so we can learn about you and learn about your truth. And so we pray for that today. Pray for Brian as he preaches in the main service, Lord. And I just pray you guide us and direct us this week. And in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, will you continue to pray for my brother? Yes.